The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Blooming in the Light with your host, Marie Helen Turan. Are you one of the many people who face challenges every day in your life and find it can be more than a struggle at times? Our program will show you that these challenges can be turned into gems based on wisdom and experience that you'll hear today. Now, here is Marie Helen Turan. Welcome. It is very exciting to have you today. Without you, no sharing would be possible. And because of you, Interesting ideas for growth and happiness are going to travel around the globe. You are listening to Blooming in the Light. I am your show host, Marie-Helen Turen. You can like my Colemni Facebook page, connect with me on LinkedIn, or you can email me your questions or comments on colemni at gmail.com. Colemni is spelled K-O-L-A-I-M-N-I. Now, today, the topic that I want to cover with you is related to education. And uh, I'm very excited, actually, because I have a guest today. And this guest is someone who used to be one of my students. Uh, He was uh, my student in 8th grade and again in 11th grade. And um, his name is Justin Cutter, and now he himself is an educator, and he is doing something that I'm very proud of. It's very interesting, it's very innovative, it's very constructive, uh, it's downright practical, which if you have been listening to a few of my shows, you know I like practical things. So uh, I am very excited to have Justin with us today. So Justin, welcome. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. So uh, Justin, I'm going to ask you to tell our listeners what it is that you do so they will be able to really appreciate um, how, why I'm so proud of what you're doing. Wonderful. I'm glad you let me do the introduction because otherwise I'm afraid you might tell about some of the times I was mischievous as a student back in your classes. Oh, no, that's coming. Don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I'll wait for it. Um, So it is kind of hard to introduce my project because it's rather unusual, but I drive a 25-foot box truck that I've turned into a mobile greenhouse and I go to schools around the United States and teach sustainable agriculture. And I, the nonprofit's name is Compass Green. Um, I started it because I recognized both an alarming uh, rate of diet-related illnesses amongst teenagers today, uh, as well as a general lack of sustainability education in both our pr- uh, public and private school system. 
So started this as a way to both drive sustainability education to the places that need it most and have the least access to it. But also I have this big greenhouse truck as kind of an interesting attention getter that seems to do its job of engaging people who aren't normally interested in topics like sustainability or things that are healthy for the environment or their own health for that matter. And this way I'm able to kind of draw in the story uh, and the adventure of it and get people to listen and start paying attention that way. Very good. So I like, I like the fact that is something that you created that is very innovative. And you take, from my understanding, you take this track to, like you said, you know, areas where it's most needed. Yeah, so I, I kind of determined that in a pretty simple way. Um, it's unfortunately the case, and it's not an absolute truth, but it is a, a general trend that places that don't have a whole lot of finances uh, are generally underprivileged in the way that they don't have access to certain types of education or opportunities that other areas are able to take for granted. So I'll go ahead and look um, using states, uh, state school databases to determine what are the poorest schools in a given area and then bring my program in and educate the students, whether it be middle school, high school, or elementary school. Very good. So, um, like I said, uh, Justin was one of my students, and um, one of the things I, I know I would like to I would like to cover a few topics uh, today. Um, teaching has been a very essential part of my professional life. Uh, first of all, I'm a mother of three, including one special child. I have taught transcendental meditation, English, French as a second language, cooking classes, aerobics, weaving, science of creative intelligence, waitressing, and kolemni. So all these things are completely different from one another, and yet there is one thing in common is that they all have the same goal, which is to develop the person in one way or another. And also um, the principle, like Justin just said, is to um, have the individual who is learning be really interested, be active, be involved. A yawning student usually is not so good. So, you know, after all these um, experiences of teaching, I noticed something that was, it still is, is distressing to me, is that uh, nowadays the ideal of education, in the sense, in the Greek sense, you know, is basically gone, in my opinion. And when we look at what education means, it means in uh, etymologically speaking, to lead out and also to train. So it is to bring out the talent, the intelligence out and to train it to make use of its knowledge. And um, very often I found that the students are not aware of what they are learning and why they're learning. And um, I remember 
you know, many times. I remember, Justin, when you guys were um, in school, sometimes you would come into class after having had a class on something that you felt was not useful to you. And you were going like, why? Why am I? You have a dog. (laughs) There's two dogs here where I am right now, and they're excitedly greeting somebody else. They sound very silent right now. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, we can continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to train the dogs to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to educate them, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to bring out their uh, essential quietness, you know, and just use that route of education, but they're a little bit slow on the uptake of that. <laughs> Don't worry. As with all my students, I'm going to be very patient. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, you were starting to talk about uh, my old class with you. And have yeah, time. when uh, you would be coming and you remember probably sometimes after uh, like a math class or something and, and you'd come in and you go, why am I learning this? I'm never going to use that. Sure, and, sure. Uh, and I remember discussing with you, with you and I think it's really important that students be aware of that. What they're learning is their training their brain because it is their tool for life and I think that it is extremely important uh, that students are taking seriously that we realize that they are they're smart and they can understand and they should understand why they're learning things that they're training their mind they're training their synapses to fire and to create pathways through which their thinking can take place in different ways because you don't approach one problem the same way you approach another. And so I think that it is a very important aspect that students be aware of the fact that their brain is an incredible tool and that's what they're doing. They're training their brain for successful life, not just you know, I'll get a, I'll get a degree, I'll get a job. It's way beyond that. Do you find, Justin, that um, your students um, are lacking that or have that awareness when you visit them? You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, as a uh, a teacher, I'm constantly watching them. Uh-oh, here go the dogs again. Um, I'm watching the students kind of oscillate between their uh, their sort of core essences and then the relative maturity level that they're experiencing as a 13-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 10-year-old. Um, and so what I do uh, is actually exactly I'm remembering what you used to do to really engage the students in understanding why it's valuable for them to understand that knowledge. In fact, the first thing I start out with when I'm addressing the class is to identify it right away um, and explain to them that we're going to be talking about eating, you know, and then I ask the class, uh, does anybody here like eating? Everybody raises their hands. It's something that we all share that's common to all of us. And then I go ahead and share kind of the unfortunate news that our ability to continue eating right now is threatened because the way we produce our food is not sustainable. 
So from that first step, I'm engaging the students, identifying why it's important for them to learn this and pay attention, and then continue that to explain that over the course of the presentation and the greenhouse tours and the hands-on activities we'll be doing, we'll be learning how they, as high school students or middle school students or even elementary school students, can actually affect uh, their own uh, food sustainability and the way that food is produced, both by uh, growing a greater percentage of their diet themselves and also by supporting local sustainable agriculture. And it really does work to go ahead and treat them uh, as mature individuals and as people who value eating and right. value food. And then um, it really, really cuts out a lot of the problems that can arise. Of course, after I do that, you know, about five minutes later, somebody will get a little bit antsy and start vying for another classmate's attention. But I just go ahead and uh, and bring them back uh, to whatever we're talking about five minutes later and explain how that particular thing is valuable for them to be paying attention to. Um, so, yeah. I'm sure that in this field, you know, food, uh, it is quite easy for them to react to the fact that this is important, especially when they're teenagers, they're always hungry. So uh, I'm sure you have absolutely no problem uh, making them be aware of the importance of uh, what you're going to talk about. Well, yeah, that's it, something that you figured out with our class pretty quickly yeah, yeah, is how uh, hungry we are. Actually, I want to get back to this after our break. We're going to just go on break for a couple of minutes. Now, after all this talk of food, if you're hungry, maybe you want to grab an apple or something, and we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Marie Helen Turin wrote a French country cookbook with her son, Matthew, Petit Paris at Home. This book has interesting food facts, often related to history, and is beautifully illustrated with drawings and color pictures. From their restaurant to your table, these are simple, affordable, and fabulously delicious French recipes. Visit Marie Helen Shop on Etsy at Marie Helen Creations for the Cookbook and other fantastic items. Just search the header for cookbooks. Kalemni is an ancient, proven technique of energy healing. Kalemni uses the universal light to stimulate the healing mechanisms of the body. It's very gentle and yet powerful, and it can easily be learned and successfully practiced by anyone. You too can learn Kalemni and help yourself and your loved ones to feel better. A three-day training workshop will be taught by Marie Helen Turin in Cedar Rapids, Iowa on August 26th, 27th, and 28th. For more information or to reserve your space, visit MarieHelenNow.com. Click Kalemni, then Courses. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Blooming in the Light. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
You may also send an email to Kalamni at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. And we are back. So, uh, Justin was telling us how he makes it very clear to the students uh, that um, he's going to talk about food and how important it is for everybody so he is sure to get their attention. Now, that was something that, um, like he said, he has memories of how I use that. Um, and now that's where, Justin, I'm going to tell about the class. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, when I started, when I started uh, with them, with this class, this, it's a small class of 16 students, all individually wonderful students, but put together, they were kind of a little bit of a terror. And um, uh, after the first few weeks, it was, it was difficult. And I thought, I don't want a bad atmosphere in this classroom. So I brought a big cake, and it was a Friday. And I said, you know, it's been a rough week, but uh, why don't we just finish the work we have to do? It can be done in about 20 minutes. And then we celebrate the end of the week and the end of this chapter with a big cake. And I said to them, uh, we can do that. Or we can keep the pace we had at the beginning of the week that was slow, and then we have no time for celebration. I said, you know, for me, I would like to celebrate with you, but I know my husband would be very happy if I brought the cake back home. But it's all up to you. So you guys decide. I will go with the flow. And uh, they did make the decision, and uh, they loved the cake. And after that, it was like, Mrs. Turin, can we, can we have a cake if we finish this? So that um, was, I found that food was uh, important for the students. I found that also when they were having tests, I had these guys, I remember Justin, when I had you in 11th grade, your class was at 11 in the morning. And to give you a test at the end of the quarter at 11 in the morning was brutal. I mean, you guys were just <laughs> basically hungry. And you Justin, joke? you have to tell them how tall you are. Oh, I'm uh, six foot four now. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of body to feed. <laughs> <laughs> so what I often did is when, when you guys had a test at 11 in the morning, I would bring some bread and some chocolate, something simple, but some snack. And actually... I wasn't quite allowed to do that, but I did it anyways. And, uh, and I would just give them some food and say, okay, read the text, see if you understand everything, you know, get your food and, and be ready. And uh, I found that it really created an atmosphere where it was my impression, and Justin, I'd like to hear your, your take on that that it made them feel in my that was my, what i tried at least to make them feel that i was there for them not against them but for them and i wanted them to succeed and and i had and i had compassion for them being teenagers because i've been there now of course i only grew to be almost 5 feet tall <laughs> but um i knew where it was to be hungry at 11 o'clock anyways <laughs> so I thought I think that is very important that the teacher uh, develops a, a relationship with the student, where the student knows that the teacher is a helper 
is there to help them grow and succeed and bloom. And um, I would like your take on that, Justin, as as my former student and as an educator now. Yeah, I. it's really interesting um, and it's really fun to remember because, man, <laughs> I really, I do miss those crepes and that uh, chocolat and all the delicious things you made. <laughs> but, uh, but it's interesting to remember too because it could have so easily been that uh, that it was just seen kind of as as a bribe, uh, which you know would have probably still made us behave, but it wouldn't have won our respect the way that you did, uh, because you really did that. You you did win our respect, and uh, you've been very very nice by uh, by just you know lightly mentioning that we were a little difficult. I mean, I remember being in that class, and we were just awful. If we're going to be honest. <laughs> We were an awful uh, group of teenage boys, and um, and when you brought in those uh, those treats, yeah, at first it was just something for us to uh, to look forward to and to work towards, uh, but it did actually eventually make us understand that you did really care about us and you wanted us to succeed and to do well. And it kind of, you know, turned from uh, from a little bit of a battle into a, the cl- in the classroom into sort of a game with a reward, and then eventually um, something that uh, that was just seen as uh, as support and respect on both sides of the desk. And uh, we really, really appreciated it and responded to it. And I, I remember that now um, as an educator myself, just how what could have simply been a bribe because of the way you presented it and your honesty and transparency with us was not just a bribe. It ended up being a motivation and a support uh, tool for us. And I tried to recreate the same or similar things with, uh, with my students. I don't have at all your culinary aptitude. Um, but you grow not- tomatoes and cucumbers and things like that. Exactly, and when I, I let my students know that um, that I will invite them into the the truck into the greenhouse and let them have some basil and let them try some spicy arugula and things like that, and that if uh, if they demonstrate that they're um, you know through their questions and everything that they're actually gaining something, if they would like uh, to go ahead and take some seeds home with them and start uh, start their own gardens then they're welcome to do that. I don't insist on it. I, I don't say, hey, you have to do this in order to be sustainable. I just put it out there that, you know, if they want to learn how to grow their own plants, then I have seeds at the end of the lesson for them, and we're going to go over how to do it sustainably in my greenhouse right now. And they, they really do respond well to it. Um, and also, at every moment in time, even when inevitably people do kind of disrupt the class and say something for their friend's amusement or something. I, I try to never uh, just scold them or anything like that. I simply point out, hey, uh, I am going to be teaching to your entire, or sharing with your entire school today. I've got another 300 students after this class. I'm going to lose my voice if I have to uh, raise my voice over yours if you're talking while I am. It's just going to make it really hard for me. And by saying that in, you know, a not accusatory way, but just a simple kind of upfront way, 
they always, always go back and give me respect. And I think that that's something that you did when we were your students as well, is you demonstrated yourself to be not just a teacher or a figure of authority, but a person who was taking time to do something that you felt was of value to us and that you explained why it was of value to us. And because of that, we wanted to, you know, eventually just be respectful of you and your time and not just be little brats. Well, thank you. Uh, it, is, it reminds me of something. I mean, the fact that you're bringing this, it was one of the students one day who told me, he said, Mrs. Turin, your class is the hardest. And I said, why? I was just teaching SEI. That was an interdisciplinary class where we saw the the core of everything, you know, the the rules that about, that uh, apply to all fields of life. And I said, why is it the hardest? I mean, you guys were doing calculus for crying out loud. And he said, because you make us think. And I said, well, David, it was David, I remember. I said, David, I better make you think because that's your biggest tool for life. That's what you need to develop. The ability to think, because you're going to have to do that every single day. And every decision that you're going to make will affect your life. So this is why we're here. This is why we're working together. So that you can learn to think. And actually, this brings me to a point. One of the conclusions that I came to believe is that the three major things that we need to learn in school, in my opinion, are to learn how to learn, because things become obsolete, but we always need to learn to our very last day. To learn how to choose, because everything we do is based on choice. Even the kind of socks we wear every morning, even where we park our car, everything will be based on choice. And to learn how to love. Because the more things we can like, the more beauty or things that make us feel good that we are able to perceive in life around us, the happier we are. It's that simple. Absolutely. And the goal of an education is to make a fully developed person, and that includes a happy heart. That includes responsibility, of course. That includes knowledge. That includes practicality. That includes all kinds of things. But it also includes a full, happy heart. And I think this is an essential part of education that might not always be emphasized enough and that's why when I hear that music is being cut off and art is being cut out of programs I get not so happy because art is a way of expressing what cannot always be expressed through words and it is very important it is something that develops the heart and um, when children don't have that they can be frustrated, and frustration, as we all know, does not lead to good decisions. So, um, I am, thank you for bringing this point, Justin, because it, it really allowed me to, uh, to bring up this, this, I think, if we could just do that. Learn how to learn, learn how to choose, learn how to love, 
would be all set for the rest of success for life and, um, and spread goodness around us. Now we are going to go on another little break and please stretch, feel good and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Marie Helen Turin wrote a French country cookbook with her son, Matthew, Petit Paris at Home. This book has interesting food facts, often related to history, and is beautifully illustrated with drawings and color pictures. From their restaurant to your table, these are simple, affordable, and fabulously delicious French recipes. Visit Marie Helen Shop on Etsy at Marie Helen Creations for the Cookbook and other fantastic items. Just search the header for cookbooks. Kalemni is an ancient, proven technique of energy healing. Kalemni uses the universal light to stimulate the healing mechanisms of the body. It's very gentle and yet powerful, and it can easily be learned and successfully practiced by anyone. You too can learn Kalemni and help yourself and your loved ones to feel better. A three-day training workshop will be taught by Marie Helen Turin in Cedar Rapids, Iowa on August 26th, 27th, and 28th. For more information or to reserve your space, visit MarieHelenNow.com. Click Kalemni, then Courses. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Blooming in the Light. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to kalamni at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. And we are back. So, um, we were talking about the importance of learning how to learn, learning how to choose, learning how to love. And there's just a few more things I'd like to um, share with you on that. Um, we all have said sometimes, I can't believe I did this again. Or, I can't believe such a good plan failed twice. And that is because we haven't always learned how to choose or how to learn from our last mistake. So, I think it is very important. I think we all need it. I think it is not something that is only... For students in school, I think that throughout whole life, we need to develop those abilities to learn how to learn. And one of the things that helps us is to continue to engage our brains. And to engage our brains in different ways. So again, we can do math, we can do arts, we can do um, language. I mean, the more variety we... Um, we use to train our brain, the more pathways we develop in our minds, the more the synapses will fire and create networks of 
there's like a road, you know, it's like road map. Either you have plenty of little roads or you have just one freeway. And if we just have one way, one freeway, we can go only one place and we're going to make the same mistakes again and again and again. But if we have a whole network of little roads, then we have many opportunities to think either in this way or in that way and to solve problems in different manners because our brains have that ability and our brain is an amazing tool. Not only it is an amazing tool, but we use only 5 to 10% of it. So we can definitely develop it more. And also now we know that we can change our DNA, that our thoughts uh, have an importance, I mean they have an effect of on our DNA and that we can change it. So it's too bad we can just say, well, this was my grandfather's bad habit and I have inherited it. We might have had that, but we, might, we are also able to change it. And, you know, that's why there is this saying that I just love. It says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. And watch your character, it becomes your destiny. And that mm. says it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I mean, this should be in every classroom. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a wonderful one. It, it, it is. You know, children should be aware of the fact that they are responsible for a lot of what they create. I mean, we all are. You know, there's not children, but just humans are responsible for a lot of what they create. I mean, in fact. Definitely. You know, so, um, yeah, that's that's a big part of what I I uh, do as well is just trying to get people to really understand uh, their uh, their creation and not do it just through you know intellectual discussions on the way in which we're related and how our you know every aspect of our our life is really a participation in an ecosystem that's connected to things far away and nearby and that our, our choices have big impacts, but also to just get them to learn how to feel what is right and learn, you know, get people to understand that when you make a choice, there should be some good feeling that comes from it, you know, and that's kind of your indicator that, uh, that you're on the correct path. There should be some, even if it's a small choice, uh, in my case, you know, about what kind of things you're going to eat. Um, or uh, or what kind of industries you're going to support? There should just be this really really tiny uh, piece of affirmation. When students try ask me what that is, you know what it actually feels like, and tell me to stop using vague words, I I can't help but say something that can be vague, but really is solid, and that is that it should make you feel more like yourself. Mm -hmm. In the same way that if you're somebody who loves playing basketball, if you're, or if you're someone who loves surfing, or if you're somebody who loves having heart-to-heart -heart conversations with a friend, when you do so, you feel good because you feel like you're more like yourself, like this is what you're meant to do. I think that that feeling, you know, there is a, a tiny little residue of it with every good decision that one makes. And, uh, and you can use that as a compass to continue to navigate, you know, your mundane decisions in the world as well as the big ones. Yes, I think this is especially important when we're talking about teenagers because there is so much, if you'll remember, 
so much of trying to be like the other one, like showing off, trying to be somebody you're not automatically, you know, some trying to fit, uh, trying to be like the popular person, trying, and that does not feel good at all. Absolutely, it just does yeah. not bring happiness. Yeah. So I think this is very important. Now, um, I was saying, you know, what tools do we have to bring our brain to function in an optimum manner? We said we do have the study of different fields to create this variety of synapses. But we also have things like transcendental meditation. Mm -hmm. uh, in the school that where I was teaching, where you were learning, mm -hmm. and where I was learning too, actually, um, everybody, teachers and students, were practicing transcendental meditation. And I remember so many times, I remember when sometimes you had tests and you guys would just barge into the, you know, come into the classroom like, as like a swarm of bees and saying, oh, Mrs. Trent, can we do five minutes of meditation? We're so exhausted, we're sore. You know, I'd say, yes, of course we can do five minutes of meditation. And you would sit down and say, let's close our eyes. You'd meditate for five minutes. Then I'd say, let's open our eyes. And you were, ah, oh, thank you. And um, I would like to hear from you. I mean, you know, now, how many years has it been? <laughs> oh, <laughs> too many. Do you really want me to say? <laughs> uh, it's been a few years now. Uh, Not too many. They're all so valuable. There's never enough of them. Certainly, certainly. So, yeah, that a lot of the schools that I teach at, I so wish that. Uh, that I could get some TM teachers in there as well to to uh, teach because uh, it would just be so worthwhile. I mean, what I'm talking about and what what I do after I teach the class um, and bring the class into the greenhouse and show them everything we have going on and educate about uh, global food security issues and environmental issues. Um, I then meet with the administrators to try and get a school garden going because. Through gardening, one gets in touch with nature, which can help all those three things, uh, you know, uh, like from learning how to learn, learning how to choose, and learn how to love. But it's such a long process. And even in the garden, if, you know, one is having a rough day or if one is not focused, sometimes they'll miss out on that connection with nature. But with TM, it's just so easy to do it right in the classroom and just uh, have people tap into their source of creative intelligence, which is, it, it's just so special because there are so many ways to nourish those three things that you identified as being so pivotal and, uh, and mo kind of most important in education. But TM kind of effortlessly nourishes all three. It brings the person in contact uh, with their own ability to learn, their own creative intelligence. And through that, you know, and be and creating kind of a habit of it and becoming stronger in that, they kind of naturally start choosing in a way that just feels better and resonates a little bit more. Kind of like the, the studies, you know, that show how uh, TM can uh, increase people's ability to quit smoking or something. It's yeah. not because they're talking about it. They just start choosing in a little bit better way. Yeah, it is. Um, it actually, uh, there will be one one episode of this show of Blooming in the Light that is going to be um, completely about the programs that are um, around the world 
the TM programs that are around the world in schools, in prisons. and I mean, there's just so many programs now that are being used uh, in this regard that um, it, it is quite fascinating. And yeah. uh, we will have a discussion about that. So uh, we're going to go on another break and we are going to see you again on the other side of two minutes. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Marie Helen Turin wrote a French country cookbook with her son, Matthew, Petit Paris at Home. This book has interesting food facts, often related to history, and is beautifully illustrated with drawings and color pictures. From their restaurant to your table, these are simple, affordable, and fabulously delicious French recipes. Visit Marie Helen Shop on Etsy at Marie Helen Creations for the Cookbook and other fantastic items. Just search the header for cookbooks. Kalemni is an ancient, proven technique of energy healing. Kalemni uses the universal light to stimulate the healing mechanisms of the body. It's very gentle and yet powerful, and it can easily be learned and successfully practiced by anyone. You too can learn Kalemni and help yourself and your loved ones to feel better. A three-day training workshop will be taught by Marie Helen Turin in Cedar Rapids, Iowa on August 26th, 27th, and 28th. For more information or to reserve your space, visit MarieHelenNow.com. Click Kalemni, then Courses. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Blooming in the Light. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to kalamni at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. And we are back with Justin Cutter, my former student who is now an educator. <laughs> and you know it is it is something really sweet because when you are with teenagers if their teachers listening to us now they probably have that experience that sometimes you wonder am I accomplishing anything you know because most teachers are aware of the fact that we are trying to give something more than the, just a degree that will feed them and be able to put a roof over their heads there is more than that to education. There's way more. And we try our best. But uh, when we are teaching and we are with teenagers who, due to the nature of their bodies, are dealing with hormones and sometimes are not thinking with the upper part of the body. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 sometimes you, you You're just talking about our appetite or something. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're just you're just not sure what's going to be left of what you're trying to pass on. But um, one thing, um, when I was teaching, uh, we always had a um, 
what was it called? Faculty Development Seminar. And um, those, there were principles there. Um, and one of the principles, actually, this was the most important one that I applied, was small steps of hope and progress. And uh, in your class, Justin, you probably remember there was one person that was very, very, very um, difficult to manage. And uh, who I remember it was one day he talked to you directly. He said because you were disappointed that uh, you didn't get the grade you expected because I was kind to you guys. But when I gave you the, the test, the grades weren't so great. And I said, you know, I'm not going to give you good grades for work that is not so good because if I do that, I, I, am, I am cheating you. I'm making you believe that you accomplished something that you haven't accomplished, and someday you're going to break your teeth on it. So that is something I will not do to you. I love to give good grades. This is what I love the most. But if you don't give me A material, I will not be able to give you A out of respect for you guys. Yeah. And you understood that. And he, he said, well, you know, I always get Ds and I don't care and stuff. And I said, you know, if you try to get an A, maybe you will like it better. He said, nobody will give me an A. And I said, I promise you, if you give me A material, I promise you in front of the whole class, I will give you an A. And it gave him hope and he did it. And he got an A because he was quite capable of doing it. His situation was such that he had not been able to engage fully. So I think that hope is very important. Again, that means that the students need to trust the teacher, that the teacher will be fair. But also, it needs the child needs to feel that he or she is capable. And small steps, just baby steps, like in the movie, you know, baby steps. Hope and progress. And always, you did this good. You did this very good. Uh, this might need a little fixing, but this was very good. Always point out what is good. I think this is very important. I read not long ago that uh, two brothers who were very uh, successful um, did something because their mother every day asked them um, to um, tell her something good that happened that day. And now they have a hundred million dollar company called Life is Good, the Life is Good T-shirt company. And they were inspired oh, yeah. by that. Always have them tell her something good that happened that day. And I think in the classroom it's very important to do that as well. So yeah, absolutely. And and I'm sure you practice that with your with uh uh you know, with the students you have when they recognize some plant or something. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really uh, my favorite thing about what I do is giving hope because the kids that I teach, you know, are quite often in some of the most difficult situations that that you can possibly imagine. I mean, foster kids uh, in some of the poorest neighborhoods in the United States I've taught in, in uh, you know, the, the rough parts of Philly, Chicago, South Central L.A., um, Oakland, California, you know, areas where they're really, really just going through very difficult circumstances, having siblings and parents who are incarcerated, all types of things. And these are kids who are in situations uh, in their home life where they really feel hopeless. 
and they really become so uh, myopic because of it and just really focused on the most basic of things and immediate of gratifications because their external circumstances out that are outside their control are so uh, so dismal and so sad. And my favorite part of my program is in explaining to these uh, these kids that they do matter and that they are powerful. And in, in my program's uh, specific case, I'm talking about how just the simple act of what they decide to eat, you know, where their food is coming from, that that actually 365 days a year, three meals a day, that in, uh, results in a huge amount of, of power to support one type of system of agriculture that may be very destructive to our planet as well as to their own health or a type of agriculture that can really have gigantic environmental changes as well as huge changes in their own health and that they are the ones in charge of it. Um, that they can actually do that and they, they can do it for free even with some of the seeds that I give them. And so seeing that kind of light go on behind their eyes, seeing them wake up to the power that they really have is just something that is such a joy and uh, and really the favorite, you know, my favorite yes. part of, uh, of, of teaching. Of course. Now, you said one word that really echoes in me now is joy. Justin, I am so proud of what you're doing. And I hope that the time that we shared together in the classroom had some little part played some little part in bringing you where you are now. And I am so, so overjoyed. I am well, so pleased. Well, thank you. I am so pleased, too. It's and, a real pleasure for me to be able to talk to you at, to you now, years later, as an educator myself. And now, Justin, I would like you to please tell our listeners how they can help you if they feel that um, they, they would like to support your efforts. Of course. Well, I'll tell them, but I also definitely want to tell you so that uh, we don't lose contact again. <laughs> you better get on my newsletter, um, which is, you can go to my website, which is www.compassgreenproject.org, and uh, I'll keep you posted on where I'm traveling in my truck and what I'm doing. Uh, I don't know if you use it, but you can also uh, find us on Instagram under the handle Compass Green or Facebook or even Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is The Compass Green. And then uh, in order for potential listeners to go ahead and support this, um, we'd love to have your support. Uh, we do go to schools that don't have access to this, and we do that by uh, providing our education program free of charge. So that happens by uh, listeners like yourselves donating on the website www.compassgreenproject.org in the upper right-hand corner of the page is the donate button. But it's been a great pleasure teaching, uh, teaching some listeners with you today and just being able to share a conversation with you, Madame Touvain. <laughs> <laughs> As I used to call you all those years ago. All those years ago, Madame Touvain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, it's been a joy. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today, Justin. And continue your good work. I'm very, very impressed, and uh, it's uh, it's really it's it's really rewarding for me. And I know you're doing a very good job with these kids, 
and it does make a difference in their lives. I mean, just a few flower pots with, with seeds in them can feed people who could not see, feed themselves otherwise. So this is uh, very important and also to feel the power that they can control some things in their own lives, like you said. It is very important, especially children, because sometimes they don't feel that they have the control and then they realize that they have responsibility and they have options. So this is very good. Definitely. Well, yeah, it's it's really fun for me to uh, to be sharing with you what I'm doing, and I've been lucky to already learn or have a little bit of feedback uh, from some people. Last year, I had a student who went to the same high school that uh, that you taught at and that I attended, and I had taught her five years ago uh, when I first started Compass Green. I came back to my old high school and gave a big assembly and then presentations about sustainability and what I'm doing. And she uh, grew up out of high school and went to university. And uh, then she came and was an intern for me um, last fall. And we drove around in Northern California and taught uh, 5,000 students together. That's so it was fantastic. Awesome to see what she was now doing with her life. That's wonderful, Justin. Well, thank you for being with us. You have been listening to Blooming in the Light. I am your show host, Marie-Helen Turin. You can like my Facebook page, the Colemni Facebook page. You can uh, ask me to welcome you on my LinkedIn group. And also, if you have questions or comments, you can um, send them to me at kolemni at gmail.com. Kolemni is K-O-L-A-I-M-N-I. So again, thank you for being with us, Justin and dear listeners, and I hope we will be together again next week. Until then, goodbye. Thank you for joining us today for Blooming in the Light. Please join Marie Helen Turin again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of the program on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a blessed week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.